Hello everyone, welcome to Inspector Goals, the pod that tries to improve our FPL play for a more analytical approach. Um, today I am joined by Flapjack, aka Rich. Uh, Sam's got a bit of a family event he can't miss, um, but Rich has kindly volunteered to fill in and we're delighted to have him. Rich, how's tricks? Yeah, good. No, I'm excited to be on actually. I've watched every episode. I've been really, really enjoying it. I know I, ha- I would have to say that anyway, but I genuinely have been. <laughs> <laughs> That's been brilliant. Oh, nice one, man. Yeah, it's um, it's been good. I suppose it's a bit strange for you, actually, because you're normally the host of the pod, aren't you? So it's like switch roles. How often are you appearing as a guest? Is this a new experience for you or not? I'm, I much prefer this. I have I have done it before, but yeah, I much, much, there's a lot less pressure. I mean, you're having to do all the recording and stuff. I'd just stand here and talk to you. <laughs> and look pretty and look pretty um which i should explain because it does say sam above his head if you're watching on the youtube version that's because i'm too inept to be able to change that so um yeah that is rich sam hasn't just like lost all his hair um yeah uh right what are we actually going to talk about it's um just for sort of to timestamp it it's 8 30 on 2nd of august so we're not too far away from the start of the premier league it's the last one we're going to do before it kicks off um so bear in mind obviously some information should, could come in between now and the and the kickoff but um we've got to be there or thereabouts with our team really haven't we and sort of that's where we're supposed to be I think at least I've tried to be I don't know if you also feel the same and now it's just those sort of agonizing last minute decisions and then obviously the you know any information that does break in the coming days that will probably change it but I, I feel I'm relatively happy I think what we're going to do is just talk through sort of your team and your thoughts and then um, hopefully that will lead us down some avenues as to as to what we can discuss because I'm sure a lot of these points and um, considerations are, are stuff that people watching will also have. Yeah no sounds good I mean I think I'm pretty settled I haven't been making many changes but I tr- I've been trying to be more decisive mm-hmm. and I've also tried to be a bit more laid back about it as well because I know you can try and optimize a team as much as possible Mm-hmm. but there's a few players I just like um I'm not going to be far off optimal um there's you know there's players I, I'm non-negotiable on there's a structure I don't really want to change yeah and I've been I mean there's been good last minute changes I made in years past but also bad ones so absolutely yeah I'm pretty headstrong with it and I think the team I've got now is going to be the team I go into it with but I'm interested because I, I did I have seen your team obviously a couple of players I'm a bit envious of there so it's really tough isn't it because I think we're quite at similar stages as managers in terms of we've got players that we really like and I suppose there's lots of other people out there and we are quite willing to take I think a little bit of risk sometimes with some players like that's kind of our style but at the same time we're trying to improve our style by using like you say the analytical the optimal way to play I think a lot of people will be in that mindset you know when Mm -hmm. they look at the likes of FPL review and the teams that have, um, you know, obviously come to the, these great teams. And there's always like a little bit of a pushback from from people because they just think that potentially they they may know better is the bottom line. And we might know better in some areas. Absolutely. The model doesn't pretend that it, it knows everything, um, but it's trying to work out where you're you're potentially beating it or going wrong. Right. And any time you start to differentiate from it, you have to understand that there might just be some bias that, um it is not helpful so it's, it's trying to get that balance right it's so so tricky but like you I have players where I almost I'm you know one track minded I want to have this person and ultimately the game is a bit about fun right so I think we can afford ourselves a little bit and um, as the season goes on maybe just try and try and curb it as best we can I think it's probably the, probably a style that would suit both of us I think yeah and it's, it's interesting because this is would be my first pre-season using F- FPL review like mm-hmm. properly like I've used uh, Mikhail Top Fam's algorithm before 
it had a little look over it. But obviously, the end of last season, I guess like you, I was trying to play more optimally. Mm-hmm. So it is a learning experience because it's only just dropped, um, you know, the FPL review stuff. But I was quite set on stuff anyway. Yeah. And I don't think you lose that much. You know, you don't lose that much EV by going with, well, I didn't with mine, by going with my team over what the optimal team may or may not be. Mm. So, it's, quite, it's quite a confidence booster, if anything, isn't it? Because you look at the team and you think, Do you know what? It's not far off what I had in my mind anyway. And I think this is the thing that some people... If they've been playing this game a long time, they see the prices. A lot of it is quite instinctive. And we have to remember that FPL Review, although it is fed lots of um, analytical data and it's, it's fed a lot of stuff from betting side stuff, there is still quite a hive mind that will have um, gone through to us as well, right? You know, it's taking it from somewhere, this information. And usually it's from people who know a little bit about it, which is ideally people like us. I, th- I think there's def- definitely that influence. I mean, what happened last season is I ended up with quite a good massive data rank, but I wasn't really using FPL Review at the start. Right. Um, and I even did. Obviously, we did a pod together in December and mm-hmm. we were talking about Sterling and I, I went for Sterling because of you saying he was nailed and he did very well for me. But he wasn't unless you adjusted his expected minutes, which after co- our conversation, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't like a template, you know, review pick, for example. So mm-hmm. I think you can have good ma- massive data ranks just by playing. I don't want to say normally, um, but, you know, just with that, the the mind of, you know, Twitter and podcasts. Yeah, it's trying yeah. to preempt minutes, isn't it? Quite a lot of the time yeah. we do come back to it. Yeah, Sterling's not going to appear there if it doesn't fancy him to play at the bottom line. But if we feel like he is going to play for those three or four days, then, you know, the model would really like him. So the thing is, you start to get it starts to get dangerous when you convince yourself that you know better and those people will play, right? You then have to have that actually happen. And you always need the luck, right? You always need the luck. I mean, we all know what happens with Man City and the likes of Sterling. It it could easily be, you know, a hat-trick one week or a one-pointer, but I suppose that's the same for virtually anyone. Um, You can only put yourself in the position. Um, All right, let's... um, First, before I move on to your team, I just want to bring up some slides here from our mate Chase, who is ridiculously good at this sort of thing. If you Again, if you're not following him on Twitter... Um, I think you really should be because um, some of the stuff he produces, I just think it's so good. And this isn't particularly telling us anything groundbreaking, I would say. Um, but uh, it's just, again, a nice reminder. So I, for the purposes of the pod up on the screen, we've got his projected clean sheets, game weeks one to eight. Um, he's taken this, I think it was from 3.52 or 5.32, the site, and he's used his own um, algorithm to basically produce this. Um, and... What we can see right at the top are the teams you would expect, but the teams like Man City and Liverpool are sitting there at 4.16, 4.14 clean sheets projected across the eight game weeks. So roughly half of the games we should expect on average them to be getting clean sheets. Um, that's a big drop off when you start to go to the likes of Arsenal and Spurs at 3.26 for Arsenal, 3.04 for Spurs. And then we start to get sort of uh, middle of the park. Everyone's roughly the same sort of between um, two and then up to just below one at 12th is West Ham. And then we get the rest of the league where I don't think anyone's particularly looking for, for defenders this year, such as the way as the pricing. So all this really drives home to me is that I should really be trying to get Man City and Liverpool defenders in my team if I can, um, which I think most people knew anyway. But it's nice to have a reminder just how significant you know, the, the difference is potentially there on the clean sheets, right? No, it is. And it, it actually shows the value in Arsenal as well, that they're mm-hmm. so high. Obviously, they've got very good fixtures. And you mentioned the drop off, but it's, you know, they're, they're kind of ahead of the pack. You know, when you're looking at Spurs and Chelsea, yeah, who are much higher priced. Um, that, that, that's the trade off, isn't it? It's just, again, mm-hmm. it comes back to the value. You're paying a lot less for the Arsenal defender. In, in some cases, a 4.5 potentially with Ben White. So 
Yeah, and Brighton are just always up there, like always. They're they're one I almost forget about, and maybe I've overlooked them a little bit. Um, maybe because of the opening fixture, although it's it's only Man United, so <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's not yeah. as bad as it initially looks. No, that one does. That game does feel like it could go either way, and it wouldn't surprise anyone. The Man United one, right? I don't think anyone would be shocked if Brighton managed to churn out a result. And then their next fixtures, as we can see from this data here, and I can actually bring up the fixtures as well mm-hmm. um, on the screen. Um, Newcastle, West Ham, Leeds, Fulham, Leicester. I think that's pretty damn good. I think the main reason we're sort of put off them is just the whole, the whole transfer situation. But it seems to be quite regular with Brighton that they might, you know, lose the odd player or a player gets injured or whatever. It doesn't seem to affect them too much. So I wouldn't be surprised if they again offer value. I mean, it's suggesting they should here. And, and yeah, I, I fully agree with it. I think outside the top teams, when you start looking at the the ones just below those brackets. I think Brighton are certainly right near the top of the list, to be honest. Yeah, I guess the problem with them is, with the defenders, it would be Lamptey that I'd want, but he just Not can't there. trust his minutes. I mean, I went to the Brighton Reading friendly, and he they only made a couple of subs at half time, and he was obviously he was one of them. He did get an assist though, because I was thinking during the first half that you know, oh, could Lamptey be the one? Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's always the one in our minds. Um, the thing is, it's just it, it's been strange because he's. Since that big injury, really, that he had, um, it's almost two seasons ago now, isn't it, where he sort of burst onto the team like this guy is absolutely nuts. And we've still not really seen the potential, basically because of injuries more than anything in his rotation. Do you think there will come a point where his injury has been managed to the level that, um, you know, he he is just going to start playing the minutes all the time? Because if that happens, I think he would be a very, very enticing pick. But it's, it's kind of almost a leap of faith at this point, isn't it? That would be the case. Oh, it is. I mean, it's, it's actually mad because you mentioned that he was... A four million defender and a lot of people myself and I didn't know who he was but he was a four million defender who was playing so that was my first experience of see it watching him play and he is incredible he's incredible to watch but mm. he is being he is being managed isn't he I mean even in the like I mentioned just in that friendly he was protected more than the other players mm. um the, the subs rules are interesting though with the five subs because he could be one of these players that maybe he gets subbed off at 60 minutes occasionally and he could bank in a clean sheet, you know, mm. before they lose the clean sheet. But that's a very positive way of looking at it. I guess there's the other other way that he could just be subbed on for one pointers. Yeah. And then obviously lose 30 minutes of attacking potential because he is a player that offers 30 minutes of, you know, he offers that attacking yeah. threat, doesn't he? No, very it's, true. Really, it's, it's really tricky to manage because I think we have seen it in the past where players, you know, who have historically been managed a lot or have really bad injury records do suddenly just change it around. You know, Danny Ings springs to mind straight away. Antonio, like it's not totally unheard of. There are players that are good fantasy picks where it can happen. I just, I don't know if you can actually do it in, until you see a little bit of evidence of it. That's the thing. We kind of have to see it to believe it. And I think that's the, probably the case for Lamptey, unfortunately. And, and just the fact that there's so many good options this year at, at just a little bit more expensive, right? So it just just feels a little bit of a punt too far. But I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it does great. It was probably a weird one for me to mention, because not only that, we've got a player at the same team for the same price in Dunk, who's going to hit, you know, mm. the X-Mins. And I mean, he always used to be 5 million. You know, he's a brilliant asset himself. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think he's a great pick, to be honest. Uh, every team I make, I've like always thought, oh, how can I make this team better? And usually Dunk's the go-to guy to save some money to then improve it somewhere else. And he rotates really well with Leicester. I think the main issue is the fact that you don't really know who to pick from Leicester as a result to, to go with it. And then also Leicester's defence was obviously horrific last season as well. I think if Leicester were a little bit more secure, that you'd see Dunk in more teams because that rotation is just really good. 
Um, it is. But we've obviously, I, I guess I don't want to spoil what our teams are, but we've obviously gone down a very different route. So there's probably different reasons. I've also not gone in, like looked at it too much more. Mm. But there's definitely value with the defenders at each, each and every price point there. Absolutely. And that's why we're seeing a lot of back four and back five teams. And mm. FPL Review seems to favour the back five or the back four. Um, I think it's pretty obvious, actually, that one of those two ways is the way to go. I'm going to move on to the goals scored. So I brought that up for the purposes of the pod. We can see Man City right at the top. Unsurprisingly, we've got Liverpool, Arsenal and Tottenham. So Man City are sat on 19.6 goals for the first eight weeks. Uh, Liverpool just behind 18.7. Arsenal at 16.7. Spurs at 15.9. Those are the top four. Uh, Again, all these teams, which are like the the best teams, easily affordable, and have got good fixtures. The blend just seems too perfect this year. It's almost like there's no... Quandaries. I did say this on a, on one of the earlier pods. I seem to remember all the time there's, there's been teams where I've really wanted a player from, but their fixtures have been terrible, or there's been blanks because of the World Club Cup, or, or some sort of situation which has meant I can't really pick my optimum team from the beginning, even if it's something like players have been away at the Euros or World Cup. We don't even really have that, where we're sort of waiting for fitness of players too much. I think probably you know, Chilwell maybe fits that category. I don't, can't think of too many others. It's almost like you can have your team straight from the beginning that you want, which is a strange situation to be in, I think. It's, it almost makes it too easy. And mm. it's eliminating so many, so many. Yeah, yeah, I say. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Cause there's been a few picks I've thought about. And then I'm like, I think I'm being too, like, trying to be too clever here. Like like we just mentioned with like, someone like Lamptey, for example. Mm. Yeah. There are just obvious picks. And I think teams are getting very, very similar. And that's why I think so many discussions now, it's, it doesn't even seem to be about the players a lot. It seems to be more about structures. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a good sign that the template is generally pretty strong. I agree. I think there's, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want to put a figure on it, but I'm going to. Maybe like 20 to 25 players, if I'm being generous, that I'd, that I'd sort of made my way to my team. For me personally, it's more like 15 to 20, I'd say, where it's just literally how I end up. It's just a matter of the length of time rather than anything else. If, if the season started right now compared to in two days, even if I have got no more information, my team would probably change three or four times and one of them would be great and one of them would be poor. And I think <laughs> it's, just the, it's just the way it works. And the, most of that is structure, like you say. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and for, and also goalkeepers have become quite a hot topic, I guess partly because of the pricing, but just also it seems to be one of the only spots people are willing to like tinker a little bit. <laughs> Mm. So it's almost like discussion. you make your team and then uh, or actually rather the other way around I've kind of put Edison in and tried to make a team I like and then invariably end up thinking oh I've got to take Edison out now to make the team I actually want and that's kind of the pattern that keeps repeating do you know why I wouldn't like it if you went for Edison it's Go because on. obviously you spend all this time and predicting Pep's lineups and then mm. you've gone for Edison you, you could block yourself off something you spot um so yeah. you'll be advising people oh Mares is nailed i know you won't say that for game week one but you know if you notice something maybe Mares you think's nailed and then you yeah. can't get to him without doing a, a minus four or a minus eight well when not- you yeah when you say well you have seen my team but when they see my team that is pretty much exactly why i've not done that um yeah because I want to be able to jump on certain Man Cities when I um, think it's appropriate to do so. Now, I don't know whether that's actually a benefit or not. That's my main worry. <laughs> Is it yeah, better just to be like the analytical guys and get Diaz, Edison, you know, Haaland? That's probably the trio they go for. Or, sorry, Cancelo, one of Diaz or um, Edison, and then Haaland um, seems to be the way to go and then just forget about it. Yeah, uh, they seem to be going, a lot of them seem to be going for the triple up from the start. So I guess 
it probably is the better way but i guess we're think we're thinking ahead um because i'm yeah. on two man city as well for the same reason i'm just let's I'll basically I'll, yeah i'll listen to you guys um and then whatever you say then i'll jump on that asset and hope they're not betched <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no pressure for me there then <laughs> um right i've brought up your team um on the screen here sam so for the purpose of pod just um just read it out for us and then talk us talk to us a little bit about your main decisions dilemmas etc can't believe you just called me sam but it's all right oh god <laughs> yeah, it's, see it's already done me over having that name there sorry mate. I, I wasn't going to mention it but there'd probably be some comment on it so i felt like i had to um, yeah no, fair enough but yeah so I've, I've gone for a five two three so it's a bit of an unusual formation um i'll read the players out so i've got meslier and goal Trent and Robbo, Cancelo, Perisic and James. My midfield two is Salah and Martinelli. And I've got Haaland, Jesus and Mitrovic up front. My bench is just Ward and three 4.5 midfielders. Um, most of the work I need to do actually is finding the three most nailed 4.5 mid, um, midfielders for my bench. because That's an ob- obvious weakness. Although I feel like at Pereira can probably cover enough. Um... I haven't got that many dilemmas if I'm if I'm totally honest. I mean, per, the Perisic Martinelli and if I spend an extra 0.5 on my bench seems to be my only real real dilemma that I'm having anyway. Okay, I, I really like it. Um, again, it's got that core of players and similar to my team where I, I think I've probably got like eight or nine of the same eleven there. Um, it's the it's the structure which is the standout the three 4.5s i'm struggling to find any 4.5s after Pereira, like you've just said there that i'm comfortable in actually owning because i'm not even sure that um you I mean you've got Cole back in the silver there that will actually play now mm. i'm also then struggling to understand well does that really matter because you're probably assume, presumably going to be wild carding fairly early like most people or at least up to game week eight roughly or something like that and then how many of those players are actually going to get benched on a regular um occasion and if they do get benched are they not going to come onto the pitch anyway right so that's the exact dilemma i'm having at the moment because mm. i've had i've spoke to a few different people and some people think i need to spend just an extra 0.5 on the bench to get say cole back for example up to up to bailey mm-hmm. but i'm not i'd have to bench bailey they've only got a couple of good fixtures at the start he could become a problem and then i've spent an extra 0.5 on him and might lose a bit by the time I actually get rid of him, I mean, maybe I'm underplaying how useful Bailey is. I also found it really useful last season. I had um, I had Pookie first on my bench. Um, he was 5.8 million. And the number of times he came in and saved me, or I had like an injury with one of my starting 11. And instead of having to do a transfer, I just rolled the transfer and played Pookie. Mm. Um, so I do see the benefit of having a good, good sub. But yeah. I don't I don't think Bailey's it, but I could be very wrong there. I could no, be no, very it's, wrong. it's a very good topic, Bailey, because I'm struggling there as well. I do think what you've just mentioned there, there's almost hidden value in that. Exactly what you've said there. Sometimes you won't need to take a hit. You know, sometimes your player will come on and they're just a very good player to have to come on in general. There is a lot of hidden value that is not yeah, you know, it's not obvious to anyone when you've got that first sub player mm-hmm. that's very good. I think people are just hoping Pereira is that person. I don't think he, I think he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be on the level of Pookie where he could hit a brace or something in a right. game or, or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's, Bailey's, Bailey's a tricky one for me for the same reasons you've mentioned. Now, five million is clearly too cheap for a player with those stats. He's got excellent stats to be going over, especially from the Bundesliga. I know it didn't mm-hmm. work for Villa last year. Um, and Bournemouth is arguably the best game of the season to start. Um, those two fixtures are pretty good. The third one is okay. My concern is like you, if you end up spending that extra money and it doesn't really work, 
um, because they could just change formation, I feel like, at any point. You know, they, they have got Watkins and Ings. It does seem like they kind of want that to work and they keep trying. And I don't yeah. know where Bailey fits in when that happens. So if if they just suddenly change, um, or even just the fixtures, like say after game week three, would you want Bailey in your starting 11 most week? I'm not sure you would, but maybe the value's good enough. Like I keep coming back in circles on it. It feels like um, it feels like it could it really could go either way, which doesn't help anyone at all. But you could end up just spending five million for a player who's benched. Right when you may as well spend four point five million on a player that's going to be benched. That's the thing. I mean, I'm sure because I know a lot of the analytics guys they like that for those mm. reasons. You know, having that having that sub. Just not sure if he's the one because you mentioned the Bournemouth game, but I'd have to bench him for for that. Yeah, that would. So be... I wouldn't get him for his good game. <laughs> Obviously, then I've got a good asset that's rising in price, ready to come in. But so the, the, it could go one way or the other, really, couldn't it? Um, yeah, I really think not that it helps you with this team because to find the money is is obviously the hard part. But I do think Neto is worth the 0.5 more simply because I've got more confidence in his minutes, mm-hmm. and I think the fixtures are good are good for longer. You know, I'd See, be happy yep. if Neto blanked for like two or three weeks. I wouldn't panic, even if his price started going down as everyone owns him. I think seven weeks and just doing a job. I, I personally would look to just try and leave him unless there was injury or he's literally getting subbed in the 30th minute or something stupid. But um, I think I think it's probably worth that extra. But Bailey does feel potentially more explosive right at the very beginning, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Neto because originally I had Neto over Martinelli and then I spent the extra 0.5 so I could have Bailey on the bench. Yeah. But then but then I didn't have Martinelli. <laughs> and mm. those those um, graphs you just put up that from Chase, they showed it with the attacking stats as well. They showed the value of Arsenal players. And I think I was sleeping on them in my earlier drafts. I had no Arsenal players for quite a long time. I think those those kind of graphs show why um, people are stocking up on the Arsenal players because yeah. the fixtures are so good. Their underlying stats were they're pretty good last season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even triple attack is something I've had at times. I've ended up having Martinelli, Jesus, Saka and even Odegaard, which review really likes just because he's a very stable pick. I, I like all of those. And at times I've had two or three of them. I think I've got two currently, but um, I, I, I do really like it. Martinelli, I think, is... Um, his kind of standing's gone down a little bit just with the news that Saka seems more likely to have the pens. I think that was like a little mm. bit. I know you love pens like me. We end up. Yeah. I was surprised we haven't talked about him already. To be fair, <laughs> um, I do think there's a chance Martinelli wins the pen. I think there's a conversation. I think that's come out since that they're going to talk about it occasionally. So you might get the odd one, but that that plus the fact that we know he's going to be one of the players that is subbed off first in the game. I don't see how that really, unless he's literally just on fire and scored two or three goals. I think that. You're probably going to see Martinelli withdrawn, withdrawn first, but he I still think, looks really yeah. good at that price, right? I, I think what's happened because Jesus has signed. I think if Jesus hadn't signed, Saka would be borderline essential, as in he'd be over 50% of teams, maybe yeah. more. You know, especially now we think he's got the penalties. And to be honest, I kind of wanted Saka over Jesus. Then I'd have a more normal formation, yeah, more normal looking. Like I'd have a five-three-two. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look quite as crazy. The problem then is, and I, I really try to ignore EO, um, Jesus is like, he's hit, oh, he's just hit 72%. So it it feels like a massive, massive risk for what is maybe a coin flip. See, to me, that would that would definitely not bother me. I just think Jesus mm. is a really good pick. I'm sad that 72% have got him, but I understand that it, you know, in a, in a very, very close decision, why take the risk? Like, well, I do fully get that. It would be going for the pens, basically. 
it would right. be going for the pens for going Saka over Jesus. I mean, I'm I'm not going to do it. I'm not saying Jesus is a bad pick at all. No. Just I really want Saka, but with obviously with having five at the back and three up front, it's not possible. I think in this setup that you've got, arguably as well, that would actually make your bench worse because I think the 4.5 forward has even got less chance than the midfield. That's true. Yeah, yeah, so I'd have an archer instead of a callback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the other interesting part. So Mitrovic, I'm just, yeah, again, we're quite similar here. We love our cheap strikers on pens. I think last season we were the, probably one of the two people saying Pookie's going to be value at that price. Yep. And it ended, it ended up being it. Uh, it's just so hard for these players who are kind of nailed on for these lower teams. They've got penalties. They play up front. They come at a cheap price not to end up value at the end of the season. They basically have to score about eight goals and they're going to be decent. Yep. If they manage to get more, then happy days. And I think Mitrovic can get more. The fixtures are obviously the main reason why people aren't going there. So what's made you think, well, I'm just going to go there straight away? I think part of it is stubbornness. Um, I mean, just think about it. What you mentioned about last season was interesting because I felt like I, there was a point in the season I just wanted Pookie, Tony and King. And I was going to bench one of them each week and just, you know, just roll two of them out. And that never really materialized because of all the double game weeks. So you, we had to hop around, didn't we? We had to go for like Dennis's and Veghorst and stuff. So I guess part of that's in my mind this season. I just like you, I like the I like the players who are nailed on 90 minutes. They're on penalties. Mitrovic, his, his price is good. They bumped a lot of other prices up. I mean, two seasons ago, Bamford was the revelation, wasn't he? He was 5.5. Mm-hmm. He's been yeah. put right up. Last season, Tony was good in patches, um, but he's been, actually, I think he was second highest scoring striker. But again, he's got a little bump up as well. So these, uh, Mitrovic, Solanke, they've both been in drafts. Um, and I mean, the fact that this, the Fulham game, they're at home to Liverpool. That's kind of made me feel like it's okay. Um yeah, you're like me. You're a dreamer, right? You can see Mitrovic yeah. scoring in that game, even though everything tells us that that's probably <laughs> not likely. I still think that's probably going to happen. And again, I, I, I think it's just blind faith <laughs> more than anything. So yeah. I was looking at FPL with you earlier um, and their clean sheet odds. And I think it was about Liverpool were like 47% or 48% to keep a clean sheet. Right. So, yeah. So then in my mind, it's like, it's, well, it's more likely that Fulham score than they don't score, <laughs> even though you know, it's, a, it's very marginal. And I guess it might not involve Mitrovic, mm. although, although I think it probably does. What about the Wilson injury? Has that not put you off? Because that looks like it could be significant. And he was, you know, very, very key to the way they set up. And I think it's not just the loss of a very good player. It's the fact that the backups in these teams are often just far, far beyond. I know some of the other guys had really good stats. I looked at some of the replacements and they did very well, statistically, at least in the league. But I think the jump to the Premier League, I'm not sure that continues. And that's often in short amount of minutes. It's much easier to have a statistical impact when you're only playing sort of 20 minutes in a game or whatever, right? So that yeah. that does concern me, I'll be honest. It, no, it has. It has actually made me think in the last couple of days. Uh, off the top of my head, it was like 19 assists, I want to say. I could be wildly out there, but it, it was a lot. And I guess it's not surprising when your striker's scoring about 40. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, so it's, it's made me think. But I really like once I actually looked at a couple of weeks ago, before before that even happened, I was looking at like, what would I do if I wildcarded in game week two? I was thinking Mitrovic would be in there because they've got Wolves and then Brentford. I like then, those two games, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it would get it'd be one of these things where maybe maybe I go for, I don't know, go for Rashford or something in midfield instead of Mitrovic. Then it would, and if he blanks, it gets to game week two. And I'm probably thinking, I wish I had Mitrovic. I'm with you. I hate that. I'd much prefer Mitrovic just to ride, to ride out that first game. I'm not, 
I wouldn't want to put you off or anyone off. At the end of the day, mm. he's not in the optimum team right now, but on no. an FPL review at least. But he is really high up. I don't know if you looked at forwards and then looks at points per million in the first eight weeks. Mitrovic comes out second place, I think. So over that course of eight weeks, if you're looking to save the transfers, at least on the solver settings I had, he was in the top two. Um, so I still think he is a really viable option. And then with Chase's graph, I mean, they're not bottom. They're 15th um, for, the attack, for the attacking um, projected goals. I don't think that's bad for a you know promoted team who you know uh, apparently have bad fixtures. Mm. They've also got some good ones in there. Yeah, for me the main concern comes, and this is a little way away from the statistical <laughs> side. Really, again, it's just if they've lost Wilson, I think in general Mitrovic doesn't have much pace, does he? And Fulham are obviously a very ball dominant side um, in the Championship, and they overrun teams and they push right up the pitch. For me, the concern is how do they get Mitrovic high enough up the pitch where he's going to be given the chances? Because he needs service at the end of the day um, to be able to perform. And you can't see them being as good a team as they you know, potentially are in the Premier League, sort of dominating the ball high enough up the pitch where they're going to present those chances. It starts to come more from set pieces and counters where he kind of drops in a little bit like Harry Kane, right? So, again, I, I think he's going to be fine. I just have those little concerns like we all do of, of these lesser teams, how they're going to adapt when they come up and whether it will translate directly. I do think probably the smart play is to is to not have him from the start and then obviously get him when the fixtures look good and you've had the chance, which is really the really boring play and not the way you want to do it. But I think it probably is the right play, unfortunately. I, no, I can see what you're saying. And I guess with, you know, you mentioned in I mean, we talked about Pukki. Mitrovic and Pukki are obviously very different players. So maybe cause one of the things I was thinking is Fulham, I imagine, are going to be a much better team in the Premier League than Norwich. But I guess Pukki had pace. Yeah, um, I think I think Norwich kind of break they braked on teams, didn't they? And mm-hmm. they kind of forced those sort of I think teams were so happy to push forward on them and leave two at the back because they were just dreadful that occasionally they forced those situations where it was like that. Um, I'm not sure that will be the case with Fulham, but we don't really know. A lot no. obviously the data is great and stuff, but um, it's all it is all historic data at the end of the day, and we know that, that things can change and do change. So. That, that is where I, should, I guess I do struggle a little bit because, like you say, the data is really, really good. But then the point you make is really good as well. And obviously, it's not to do with data. It's just, you know, they're very different players, those two. Yeah. Part of the reason I do like, and this is this is the worst reason ever. Part of the reason I like these players that are on penalties is because you can just get lucky. You know, like when um, Milivojevic, I, I had friends in mini leagues who had Milivojevic and he kept scoring he kept scoring penalties. But then again, I guess that Palace team you know, had a lot of pace and that's why they were winning penalties. I don't mind that. There's yeah. loads of teams with pace, right? It was just pure yeah. chance. It was just pure chance. And that could happen again at any point. And that's why we try to have them in our team, I think, yeah. in general. Because we've, we've experienced it firsthand. Um, so, yeah. So you can be wrong. Well, wrong's the wrong's the wrong word. Um, but, you know, I could be wrong. Fulham could be awful. But Mitrovic could just get a couple of penalties. I get lucky and like, oh, I'm going to get rid of him now. Mm. And it saves um, you transfers or wild cards or whatever potentially as well by having him in early. I, I don't hate it. Like I say, I don't hate it. But the other one, because the other one I considered was Solanke, slightly better fixtures. Um, he's, got, but, he's got good home games, hasn't he? Yeah, but I think his bad fixtures are much worse. As in, I think he's got like the worst fixtures possible. Um, whereas at least Mitrovic is worst games are like you know Liverpool at least it's at home mm. um I would say 0.5 and there's a lot of ways to move off of Mitrovic as well because he's that little bit more expensive um yeah. I think someone will emerge I mean it, maybe it would just end up being one of the forest strikers but I don't see as many midfielders as I like I feel like players like we've discussed Bailey 
even Neto doesn't really excite me, but there are a lot of strikers that I quite, you know, quite fancy owning, like Tony. I've seen a few people considering Wilson. So, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of room to move, although I don't think I'd sell him at, for at least three weeks, Mitrovic. I think, yeah, Mitrovic is going to be one that most people, I think, like I say, are going to want a wild card, probably, um, you know, six, seven, eight or whatever. Fulham's, Fulham's games start to turn around that point, <laughs> and I think you'll see him in a lot of teams. Um, certainly amongst the analytical crew, even if even if Fulham haven't been that good, I would have thought they'll still probably give it a go because that, that would be too small a sample size. I would have thought for them to to worry um, too much. So yeah, lo- love it, and and kind of want to be with you, <laughs> like because I had Solanke <laughs> in my early drafts, as you'll have seen, and I kind of wanted Solanke to be Mitrovic, but it was more just focused with the rotation. Um, yeah, but it's just I think the the play of saying just having Neto instead dropping that million and then having that million pounds to use in your team or in your bench is probably just the smarter play because Neto's just got seven really good games and then you can take Mitrovic. I struggle with this as well, right, where I don't like to put a team out, which I kind of want the perfect team straight away in my mind. I'm like, the perfect mm. team this season that goes all the way long probably has Mitrovic in it, so I want Mitrovic in because he's probably going to end up like that. And that I struggle to think, no, do you know what? I'm going to play the game, fixtures or whatever, and then I'll worry about that later. And that can go either way. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, but I think when everyone's telling me it's probably the wrong decision, I probably have to listen. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I am. I mean, yeah, I, I think you are right. And he's one I've probably thought about more than the other attacking players um, is Mitrovic, but it's just the fact he's been there. He's been there so long now. So maybe, maybe I'll bottle it, you know, when it... No, I don't want to talk about it because he's going to bang us <laughs> Liverpool, like we've already said. Um, that back line, have you got any concerns at all around James and Perisic? I don't think there's any point talking about Trent Robertson and Cancelo particularly because they're obviously just God-tier picks. Um, yeah, I, I I have zero concerns with James. I know that he could move to to right centre back, you know, down the line, but I just don't want to start without him. And Praz made a great comment on Twitter. I think it was yesterday. He basically said at, at six million as a centre back, you know, he's he's good value. Sorry, as a, if he plays as a centre back, he's good value. If he if he plays as right wing back, he's like underpriced. He's great value. Um, and he could play a bit of both. So I mean, with James, I'm just not gonna overthink that i'm just gonna go with him and see you know see what happens there's a lot of exit points you know there's players like chillwell you know there's obviously other spurs wingbacks um there's all the man city defenders there's so many places you can go so james i have no doubts about at all perisic i'm I'm really torn on this one he's at a weird price isn't he he's like he's not a five he's not a six Mm. 5.5 but it's so, it's so exciting what he can do if he plays against Southampton I mean you know it could be it could be anything really you know it could be you know easily double digits and players like that can hit 20 20 points a bit like James can mm-hmm. yeah I don't have any doubt he'll spur against um, Southampton personally I said this again on the last pod before people sort of saying you know because of the friendly he's played and stuff which is fair enough you'd see it but Perisic has been bought by Conte to be their left wing back as far as I'm concerned mm. I know Sessegnon is a half decent player I think he's played something like 19 games in like three years for Spurs um now I know a lot of that he's had injuries and obviously Conte's only just come here and he's developing he's still young I, I don't think that Sessegnon is just not going to play I think he will feature but I don't think the threat is as high as what people make. I think like the first time, I think very early on, is it game week four or five? There's like a midweek game. I wouldn't be surprised if Sessegnon played that game. I think it's game week four or five. They, they actually have a game on Wednesday. And I think yeah. that's when the first time you might see that. I also don't doubt that Perisic might come off in some games for the last 20 minutes or whatever. But I think he's going to just be um, too good an option personally for the, like you. I think I that... 
I guess with my bench, you know, what the the point you make about the midweek game, I guess with my bench, it's a little more risky. Or do you think he's going to have a lot of cameos and at least come on for 30 minutes to get us minimum of one point? He did often sub the wingbacks, didn't he? So that makes me think Mm. that even in the games where he maybe doesn't start, um, could he come on for the last 20, 30 minutes? I guess that might depend on game state, where he feels like he can just give him a total full rest if he needs it, or... Will he just bring him on because he's trying to save Sessegnon? Let's not pretend that Sessegnon is someone who has historically just played 90 minutes all the time. I mean, Sessegnon could get injured in the first five weeks. I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's happened a lot as well. So I don't really have any concerns over Perisic. I think the problem comes when you start to add too many of these players. But I look at your side and I think, well, with Mitrovic there, Jesus Haaland, I don't particularly have any concerns there like most people do. Salah, maybe Martinelli, but can't see it at the start of the season. Really think he'll be playing fine. I think James, like you say, is probably more lot than people realise. I can't see Cancelo, Robertson or Trent getting benched. So I think that's fine. I think we've got like one or two max that could maybe not play and then I'd be pretty confident they'll cameo anyway. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're all right, to be honest. But maybe I don't want to feed you false options because I always look on the bright side of expected minutes of these players. Because I just I like these kind of players where some people are too. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Are safe, I suppose. They're too safe, in my opinion. I think Diaz, for example, could easily outscore Perisic over the first eight weeks just by sheer volume of clean sheets. That could happen. But I think Perisic will be more volatile. You know, he he could end up 20 to 30 points above Diaz, and that's what I'm kind of going for. Yeah, I mean, that that's the other choice would be I could go for a second Man City defender. Mm. Um, although I'd have to, I couldn't obviously go straight to Diaz. I'd have to downgrade Martinelli to Neto and set that chain reaction off. I mean, actually, a player I wanted to ask you about, obviously you were talking with Sam the other week about Ake and that you're pretty confident he starts game week one. Now with Laporte out for, I think it was a month, wasn't it? Just over a month um, that Laporte's out for. He could be someone I'd be a little bit tempted with because there's there's places to jump off if he did get dropped. Yeah, I like the five million price because of that, because you've got Mm. Walker, Ake, you've got probably Cucurella when he moves to Chelsea, I assume that's going to happen. So you've got that. Um, you've got Doherty. I think there is value. You've got Gabriel. I think you've got a number of players there where if it just goes wrong, I wouldn't be that bothered that I've got a five million option in my team. I think they're fine. It's just um, not as exciting as Perisic. <laughs> it is not as exciting no. as Perisic for me. No, no. Um, but but yeah, I think Ake could. He should start the season again. The thing we've got is the, the situation with Stones. Right, we're not quite sure. He was on the bench the other day. What his fitness levels are. And it wouldn't be a massive shock if Stones just came in alongside Diaz. It's just the fact that this left-footed centre-back he has been using for a long while and that and Ake's been playing really, really well. So um, my, my gut feel is that Ake will stay in. But again, I'm not going to sit here and say it's 100%. He, he, Stones could come in because we've seen the Stones and Diaz partnership been absolutely terrific. Probably arguably one of the best they had in that run probably two seasons ago now. It was 10 or 11 games in a row they kept clean sheets. Uh, equally, I don't think Diaz is totally nailed. People are saying he's totally and utterly nailed. I'm not 100%. We did see last season him drop out a couple of games. We saw he obviously had the fitness issues. Pep talked about Diaz being slightly managed at the beginning of the season as well. Again, like the first midweek time that Man City play, uh, you know, I, I think there's a chance. It's not like there's a massive drop up by going Stones. I think a lot of fans would actually argue Stones is potentially even better than Diaz at the moment or has been for a little while. So... Th- I've got a little bit of concern there. Probably not enough where I wouldn't not pick Diaz. I'd still pick him. But I'd, mm. I don't think it's a given that he would just come in and replace Ake. Um, no, it's, so no, it's, like interesting. it's interesting. It's interesting because then it makes you think if there's a little 
now I'm using what you've said to to make my mind feel better about Perisic, but if there's a little bit of risk with someone like Diaz, maybe it's worth risking it for a more a more, a more exciting player, you know, a, a mm. player with a much higher ceiling than Perisic. Yeah. I mean, when I say risk, I mean, I don't think Stones is going to come and replace Diaz and Diaz is just bench permanently because no. we haven't seen that yet happen for Man City. We just haven't seen it. But I think that he could miss the odd game and then suddenly a little bit of his appeal is lessened because his whole thing is he's kind of nailed, right? So, I mean, do people just think Stones is just not going to play, especially when the port comes back? Stones will get games. People may say it will come in the other competitions or maybe at right back on occasion for Walker. But I think I think Stones is going to play a fair amount of games this season. I think he deserves to. So where does that happen? Um, as a result, I think you can kind of justify it to yourself to, to go for one of their midfielders or one of their attackers or whatever, because there's a similar situation there or just avoid it entirely, which is what most people do by going Edison, which I think is fine. But that's another question I want to ask you about Man City is obviously you haven't got triple here. If suddenly you do want to jump on one of the midfielders, like how are you going to do it in that team? Because it doesn't really look like it's a particularly easy task. No, it's not. Um, so what I was thinking was, I mean, a simple way would just be to downgrade Huzus and then I could get, you know, Foden in, for example, because I always think he'd be the most likely if I wanted to go for another attacker. Um, I guess Grealish is at the same price as well. But He's yeah, one, it, one blow. It, it would be tricky because, I mean, obviously the the other way would be, yeah, Haaland could go down to enable the funds for the, you know, any Man mm. City midfielder. But then I'm taking out a City player. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot a point on on Mitrovic. Yeah. Um so this, I, I wanted to, I wanted to specifically ask you because they've signed that new guy, haven't they? The, Bra- the Brazilian guy, who's six point five striker. Um, Do you know who they've signed? Oh, Alvarez. Are we talking? Okay, sorry. Oh, sorry, I've I've skipped. Yeah, You've skipped gone back to Man, Man City. City. Okay, yeah. Thinking, Fulham have signed a Brazilian striker. <laughs> no, he's sorry, Argentinian so, for a start. But oh, yeah, is he Argentinian? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I apologise. Yeah, I don't know much about him clearly. But, but he's the same price as Mitrovic. So I was thinking if I wanted a, a third Man City player and he became an option at some point, that's an, that's another way of doing it. Oh, gosh, because, I like it. Because if someone has like Haaland and Jesus, which seems to be the most com- the common two, I heard someone mention that if Alvarez became an option, you know, everyone would have him. But I think it'd be difficult for people to get to him. So it's a bit it's a bit of a long shot. But. That's another reason I've justified Mitrovic because there could be the potential for a cheap Man City striker. <laughs> Talking when, himself into it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a, very impressive in the games he's played so far and Pep's bigged him up. Obviously came on, made an impact, scored, um, gives them energy on the right wing, is right-footed. They don't, you know, anyone who watched that game will see how frustrating again Mares can be. Had lots of chances though, let's not forget, could have scored a lot of those chances on another day. But he offers something different. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his way into his team, maybe even against West Ham. Like it could happen as quick as that. He is he okay. does look a good player, but to sort of rely on that is obviously taking it another step, I would say, because he's definitely he is still young and quite raw. So I wouldn't expect it to happen. But we did see, again, I said it, I said it on the other pod that Jesus, when that when Jesus was signed um from Brazil, he came straight in and he replaced Aguero, didn't he? And he just stayed in the team for a while and he was sensational. So if Pep thinks you're good enough, you've got the right attitude, you're doing what he's asking, he won't hesitate. You know, so, so there's always the chance. I wouldn't totally rule that out. Just it's probably not one you want to rely on. <laughs> no, I wouldn't rely on it. It's just these things because one of the key things, obviously, that question you asked is how I'd get a third man city. And that was genuinely a, a thought I yeah, had like no, no a, thing, a, couple, yeah. a couple of days ago. I mean, I don't know anything about him, but I know if he's playing for Man City. Then, then that's, I mean, 6.5 million. So yeah. that's something, I mean, let's say he plays against West Ham 
and then you know it looks like he could play against Bournemouth I'd have no hesitation making that switch no. so well that's like a I don't know a five percent chance if if that I you know at least there's an option there otherwise I'm gonna have to downgrade Jesus okay well this is the thing you might not even need them right and they they mm you could argue that you save yourself the headache by not having that option in the first place. You're like, well, I'm not going to get a midfielder for Bournemouth. And then you, you might come up on that because people will get players and they might not even play the game. So well, exactly. And I don't buy in not doing it. There's some, some people I've seen are going for the 8 million midfielders. So they might go for, say, Luis Diaz. And then if they ever want Foden, they can get Foden. But if I had Luis Diaz, I'm not going to sell him, go down to two Liverpool players and bring in Foden. So I don't see it as... I don't see that as being a flexible way of me doing it either, if if that makes sense. I, I um, feel like some of the eight eight million midfielders I wouldn't sell. <laughs> on this note, right, tell me if I'm crazy or I'm wrong. Outside of game week one, where you could maybe start with someone else and move to Foden, which is something I'm considering for the Bournemouth game, I think a lot of people have looked at that. Mm-hmm. How do people think they are going to be interchanging that eight million midfielder spot? Because we've got price rises and price falls. Like you yep. say, if, we, if I start with Diaz against Fulham and he bangs two goals and goes up 0.1 or 0.2, fair enough, I could go, OK, I'm going to sell him straight away for Foden. But then again, we repeat the process next week. What happens if Foden scores a load of goals against Bournemouth Then people start getting him? You know, very, very quickly, these 8 million midfielders are not all going to be 8 million. They're going to go up and down in price is what exactly. I'm saying. So you're not going to be able to maintain that flexibility in that spot for very long. I wouldn't have thought unless you're you get lucky enough to get the exact one that's done very well and you make enough money where you can do that. But outside that, it's not like I'm, I mean, I was looking at earlier, I was looking at the fixtures, go, oh yeah, I'll get Saka in here, I'll have Diaz in here, I'll bring Foden <laughs> in, that's where I'll take, I'll bring Mount for this one. And I had to stop myself thinking, you know, unless that falls perfectly throughout the rest of my team with injuries and everything else and the price rises suit, that's just not going to happen. I'm always going to be like 0.1 off and stuff. And that can happen very, very quickly, I think. That's, you, that's exactly exactly how I feel about it. I don't feel like it's any perfect scenario that's going to work out. The only one I could think of is if you go for Kulazewski, um, because he's obviously they've got a great opening fixture. Game, yeah. But then what's the best case scenario? The best case scenario is he blanks so you can sell him for Foden. I mean, not the best case scenario for points, but the easiest way to then decide to move to Foden is that Kulu's blanked. I mean, it's well, not been successful. And what if he scores a brace and... So I wouldn't not... care about that as a like if I had him in and he scored a brace, I'd happily sell him for Foden next week because the fixture's not good enough. But I appreciate the the wider masses probably would. Yeah, I th- I think you're different there. As in, I feel like most people, not most people, but a lot of people, if their player scored a brace, they wouldn't sell them because yeah. they'd be like, oh, Kulu, you know, his price is going to go to ten million. Just you know, things like things like that. Um, no, yeah, no, I agree. I think the more the more dangerous situation is you're booking a transfer because as good as these teams look on paper, it looks like you'll never need to change them. You just never ever know. Like something else could happen very quickly. I mean, anyone can get injured for a start and straight exactly. away you're potentially on a minus four or you've got Kulazewski away to Chelsea, which you probably wouldn't want when there's all the other options, although you might have to ride it in that situation. But you get what I'm saying. If you start booking in transfers, you get yourself into dangerous position. No, I agree completely with that. And I think maybe that's why we've gone for quite similar kind of, I mean, we haven't got the same formation, but we've gone for similar a style team, I think. Yeah. On that note, let's bring up my team yep. and show it. Let's do that. I've stretched it out here on my graphics. I'm still not IT adept enough. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But for the purposes of the pod, um, I've gone with a 5-3-2 formation at the moment. So I've got Ward in goal. Uh, Sanchez is on the bench. So the hope there is obviously that they rotate throughout the season. Like I said, Leicester and Brighton, whether Ward's going to stay in goal is another matter. But basically, I've got Sanchez. 
Uh, I've got Cancelo, Alexander-Arnold, Perisic, Duckty and Robertson at the back. I've got Neto, Saka and Salah in midfield. And I've got Jesus and Haaland up top with um, Pereira, Archer and Reed on the bench. So two 4.5 million defender, um, midfielders, sorry, which I'm not particularly happy with. There is, is one of my concerns. I think Archer, although I think Reed probably plays, I don't think that's 100%. I think he probably does. Archer, we know, doesn't play. And then I've got Pereira. So bench is weak like yours. I like that, you know, Haaland, Jesus, is not too much to say there. I feel like that's pretty template. Uh, again, the midfield, Salah, Saka and Neto are kind of happy with that. I've had Martinelli in a lot, but I kind of man find... I found a way to change him to Saka, and I feel a bit more comfortable about that. Like we've already sort of discussed that and Saka and how you feel like he might be essential. So maybe I'm doing the right thing there. I guess reigns to be seen. Where I've kind of compensated is obviously I've gone for Doherty at the back alongside Perisic, and that's quite a risk area. A lot of people would say I, I don't think there'd be many people, especially in the analytical world, that would be prepared to risk that. So that probably makes me feel like it's a bit of a mistake, but I can't help but look at it and feel like that's potential gold dust. <laughs> game yeah. two, I might be in a bit of trouble because they're both away to Chelsea and I'm not even sure Doherty would play that game, but I feel home to Spurs, they could they could do enough. But the way I've justified this to myself at the moment is, again, it's that 5 million defender spot. So Doherty's 5 million. If you play Southampton, even if I don't think he's going to play, potentially I could just move him to, say, Ake or Walker or Gabriel or whoever at that 5 million slot. I've also got the 8 million slot there wherever I want to go to Foden. And that's my other thing that's driving me. If I wanted to change, Saka's just in there at the moment as sort of to, to visualise it. I could quite easily have Kulazewski, could have Mount, could have Diaz. Um, not Diaz, actually, because I've got three Liverpool and I, but And then switch him to, to Foden for game week two. Um, so I've kind of left that Man City option open a little bit rather than just start with it. So I don't know whether that's a good idea or not, because potentially I'm booking in a transfer there, which I just said I shouldn't do. So any thoughts on the team? Does it feel a little bit too risky? I, th- I think I've showed it to some people and they said it's probably too risky, but it's like, I love it. It's like my baby. I want it. I've got so I've got a lot of thoughts. I just don't know where to start. Should we start with, I guess it has to be the, the Spurs defenders. Cause, and I guess actually Reese James, because the only difference actually between our defenders is you've got Doherty and I've gone for James. So I mm. guess... I mean, would you be worried not having James? Um, I would be lying if I, I love James. I think he's fantastic. <laughs> mm. I'd love to have him, but I can't have I can't have six defenders. And if I put James in, suddenly I can't do anything else with the rest of the team because if that million has to come off somewhere, essentially I have to turn Saka into Martinelli. Is probably the only thing I could really do there. And although I don't think that's necessarily the worst, I kind of lose that option to then get Foden, which is probably what might be holding me back. It might be my bias of just wanting Foden. That's yeah, the, probably the only area yeah. I could do it. The only other way I could see, and I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but I guess Neto to Bailey and then Robertson to Van Dyke. But that's probably going a bit overboard yeah. just to get, just to get so James then, in. Yeah, I think that's too, that's compensating too much because then I'm suddenly got Bailey in my starting eleven every week and yeah. it becomes a problem game week three, and it's just that like, I'm not sure. The other way I've looked at it is right. Do I just Change Robertson to Diaz, which gives me three Man City. Probably, arguably, you know, very good to have double City defence given the graphics we've already seen. I think mm. Review really likes double City defence. That then gives me that that extra money, um, especially then I can have Nico Williams. Uh, sorry, not Nico Williams in that situation. I get a million, and then therefore I could change Saka to Diaz for Fulham at the beginning, and then I could spread that million or keep it. I could I could then change Doherty to James. Anyway, that would be another one. So Diaz and James over Doherty and Robertson is, is the direct comparison. I think most people would probably go for Diaz and James in that situation, but maybe not. 
Yeah, I think I would. I think I would. But I, I find this so interesting because obviously I, I, I said how much I want Saka, but then I also said I don't like, you know, eight million placeholders. But then I know you would actually do the move. Mm. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't hate the idea of moving to Foden. I just know that because you look at game week three onwards for for Arsenal. So good. Yeah, you you'd be tempted to move back. Yeah. Uh, trust me, I've tried to make this work where I have Foden and Saka in my midfield, and I just can't do it without too many sacrifices elsewhere, I felt. It would be Jesus out there. See, this yeah. was the issue I had with Jesus. I felt like he was, I'm, I think I'm almost victimising him, because I felt like he was blocking so many like cool moves that I could do. Because <laughs> he's cheap, but he's not that cheap. He's, you know, <laughs> There's a lot of money that can come out of him, it, despite despite his you know really fair price. I genuinely, if I feel like you you think it's better not to go with him. I think he's close enough on review to Saka where it's it's not too much of a consideration. Like, if you wanted to do it that way, then that's fine. But then you're not saving any money there. So, I don't know. I don't no, know. The other consideration I have is I don't have Nico Williams. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I feel like he's so clearly the obvious four million defender. I also mm-hmm. feel like people, even people who haven't got him, are very easily going to start picking him up at the beginning of the season when they realise he is the four million defender to get in order to save money elsewhere. I can't see him not going up in price, even if he gets no points. And that improves the bench because the bench there is is still horrific. So even having Nico Williams on there does improve it in terms of the money saved as well. And then if I was to do that and go four at the back, I could then bring in, bring in someone in midfield and just make the team probably more structurally sound. And it's, the Robertson a, versus Diaz thing comes into play then because it would probably be Robertson that would go in that scenario for me. It's a good, it's a good, really good point you make there, actually, because there's been a couple of seasons where I've been really punished by not going for the, the default 4.0. Like there was Lundstrom was definitely one, and then Livramento to some extent, because you not only lose potentially, you know, if everyone's playing them and they're getting lots of points, you get screwed that way, but their price gradually goes up, and then you end up paying almost 4.5 for them anyway when you finally cave. Mm. I feel like it is a loss, but then the defenders are so good. I mean. We both got five, and I feel like there's still defenders that I want that I can't that I can't because I actually did consider Doherty as well, but I just I just can't get him in, and it's like you can't get James in, and there's all the four point five and five million players you know that we touched on. Mm. I feel like I have to have five. I, Nico Williams on paper is not going to be that good. No, I'm not worried about the points he gets particularly. It's just the fact that he saves you the money. He's probably yeah. going to play every game and nearly everyone's going to buy him. But should I be worried about that? Well, I mean, review has got five at the back in most of the teams that it puts up. So I'd probably not. But there's still that thing in the back of my mind that it does. It goes some way to improve my bench. Like if I if I take Robertson out and put Williams and then I bring Diaz in for uh, Reed, I'm yeah. po- I think I'm 0.5 off doing that, actually, I think, because Diaz is actually one million more than Robertson. So then I suddenly have to point five point five. So the way that I would do that is then do Neto down to Bailey, and suddenly I'm not I'm not as happy. Even though that would then give me two eight million midfielders, so that's the trade off I've got in my mind. That's the two biggest dilemmas I've got: Robertson to Nico Williams, Diaz comes in for Reed, and then I end up changing Neto to Bailey to compensate. There but, is also there's also the issue of if say you went for four defenders, four premium defenders, Nico Williams, that you know, another defender starts, another premium defender starts doing really well and you want to get them in, then people are going to be selling Nico Williams and doing hits to, to get there. Because I remember the end of last season, it became really clear that, you know, we wanted five premium defenders and it took me ages to get there because I'd used all my chips and, mm. you know, I had to patiently do it over a few weeks, change the entire structure of my team 
just to get all these premium defenders in. So it, it can go the other way as well. Absolutely. And again, this is from just my, I know it's it's not optimal play and I know it's the bias that I'm trying to get at me is that I feel like I want Saka and Foden like for quite a while and I can't have them both in the setup I've currently got, but I can in the other setup. Now, that's because I've just got this theory in my mind that Foden's going to be ridiculous again. But I had that last season and he was very good, but he wasn't and probably better than most people thought at the beginning of the season anyway. But he didn't end up being the world beater that he should have been at that option at that price. But, you know, I come back around again and think, well, does that mean that that's not going to happen this time? I think it's only a matter of time for me on Foden that that actually happens. And I want to be there, one of the first people there to catch it. But it's what I already said. It's like the perfect team in my mind is not potentially the optimal team right now. I think we've got one of the questions actually we have right there and where someone's saying, is it worth just having Foden right from the start, even if he doesn't play West Ham, because it saves you the transfer, quite confident if he doesn't start, he'll at least come on. And then I've got him in place in Bournemouth. And I, I, I really like want to agree with him and do that as well. <laughs> I don't, but again, I don't think it is probably the right play on balance. I mean, he's not in any of the optimal teams, so it, it isn't. I'm going to sound like I'm sitting on the fence here. But I guess with 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 both our teams, we, I've obviously gone three strikers. You've got the eight million midfielder, and it really could go both ways. I mean, maybe Foden does become the one we all want, and I'm going to be scrambling to get him. But what if someone like Solanke goes off, or or Mitrovic, or or Wilson? And obviously you're quite high on Jesus. Maybe Saka will become the make weight so you can get a third striker in. It's hard to plan for every single scenario. Absolutely. It's actually, I, I would never go for the premium, like three premiums. And I don't think any of the models like it either. But I mean, that's probably the most flexible way because you can get the money out easier. You know, you're two moves away from mm. anything potentially, but then you're decimating your whole team and the, how optimal it is. To be but more I've, flexible. I bounce back on that though, and I, I I like to think that I won't tear up my team if someone does go off. Everyone says, "Oh, I need to be able to react and I need to do X, Y, Z." The plan, moves I'm talking about are the plans I've got planned in my mind because I think they're going to be good options. So like Foden against Bournemouth, mm. because I think it's going to be a good option, not because someone has returned X, Y points in game week one. I think a lot of the time when I watch a lot of other content, and maybe it's just me wrong, it's they say if this person suddenly goes off in the first two or three weeks, I want to be able to get him. And I know part of the game is building money and all this stuff mm. and EO. But for me, I, I feel like that would never change my opinion. And whether that's bad play or not, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe it's stubbornness. But I wouldn't just say, oh, OK, Mitrovic has banged three goals. I need to get him. I, I'd get Mitrovic because I like Mitrovic. Do you know, does that no, make you're, sense? No, you're right there. And actually, to be honest, I'm I'm really stubborn. Not, I'm, not that I'm saying you're stubborn, but I'm stubborn. You know, when Lingard started scoring, I was just like, no, I'm not doing it. So I'm definitely not talking about you when I use scenarios like that. But I'm just thinking of what the, the template or the masses will go to. Yeah, I should have let that bother me. If I think that, that that's not. not the proper not the proper move, not move, I don't really care. It's just, yes, you can be wrong or just get it wrong. But I think I wouldn't want to mess up my plans and react so heavily in the first few weeks because a player play X has done exceptionally well unless there was you know, special circumstances. By that, Maybe. I mean they're nailed as a striker and suddenly put up 5XG every single game or something, yeah. something ridiculous like Maybe that. I should, Maybe I should reword it. Maybe someone emerges that we didn't expect, you know... The, the models pick up on it so someone's minutes improve for some reason or you know there's some kind of tactical shift yeah um so maybe not reacting to the points but if some maybe there's a striker that does that um yeah that, that that's that's the way i would react if i felt yeah. that it was a big enough sample or it was we had enough evidence which again is a hard judge to make but that's where someone like Foden, I think, could come in or Doherty, right? I think those are the these are the kind of players that I like because I feel like they have that potential to 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 far um overachieve what the models are suggesting. Now I don't know if that's just me being a dreamer. 
<laughs> Maybe, but that, I mean, there's so many players you probably, I mean, you probably wouldn't sell. Because I look at mine and think there's so many players I see that, I mean, I don't know what my transfer would be. And I guess that's maybe why you've got that spot with Saka. Yeah, I kind of just left that third city for who do I want to get for the Bournemouth game. Now, whether I do it or not is another matter. I I probably just could save and it will be fine. Because like you said, would I want to remove Saka? No, but Doherty's got Chelsea, but it's only one game. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I do. If it's you a balance like, between uh, booking them in and booking in transfers and then having somewhere to go. I guess because looking at like the weak links in your team, and there's not there's not weak links, but like Neto's obviously one, but he's really cheap, so he's there for a reason. So, and Doherty again, he's I guess his only risk is minutes, but again, he's really cheap. Yeah. So are they? So I guess I kind of maybe I can see more why you've got Saka because then you've got a bit more flexibility and you've got a great player there anyway. It, yeah, it wouldn't be a priority to sell him either if something else happens, you know, if Haaland gets injured game week one. Because that would make all these discussions a bit pointless if Haaland gets that's injured. that's it, right? Yeah. That's what I mean about the whole booking in. If an injury happens or something, then it, it can totally change everything and that can happen to anyone. But yeah, the, the weak links in my team are clear to me. I don't have Edison or I don't have double city defence. I think that's, I think a lot of people will have that. So that does concern me. I do have risks in Doherty and Perisic, probably more Doherty for me. I think Perisic, I'm a little bit higher than most like you. But I think Doherty is a risk. Um, and Neto, I don't really see as a risk personally. I think it's quite. I think the fixtures are good enough for long enough. It's certainly not on a minutes risk. It just might be a, an actual returns risk more than anything else. I'm, I meant more, he's, he's not like a cash cow. As in, you're just going to put him in. Because if I had him, he'd just be a player. I'd have him a team and I'd just probably leave it till a wild card. And there's something, you know, the new Mares emerges or something like that. Um, yeah. I, he's not going to be like a cash cow. You're not going to downgrade the million out of him to make a move. I'd imagine not, but... No. And then, and then the other one's James. Like you said, he's probably my other main concern. Like yeah. when, the, when the game opened, like most, James and Chilwell went straight in. Um, and I don't doubt that at some point I'll probably want that again. I think obviously since the news around Chilwell has been quite clear that it's, you know, it looks like he's going to be a, a high minutes risk. Um, whether that whether that is a thing or not, I don't know. I mean, if Chilwell and James play game week one and they absolutely smash Everton, do you think people will just throw that out and jump straight on them? I mean, you'll already be in the position where you've got James. But do you think Chilwell, because he's another one of these players, I think, with that potential that people aren't really looking at. Do you think, do you think that's going to be a thing? I mean, the fact they're signing Cucurella, does that worry you around Chilwell? Yeah, it does. I mean, so Perisic mainly came in because I went cold on Chilwell. And then with the Cucurella deal... Um, I don't know if that's actually gone through yet, but it must. It sounds like it's really close. It was. Mm. I think Fabio tweeted something earlier. But yeah, Chilwell was the one I wanted. I wanted to have Chilwell, James, Cancelo, and the two Liverpool guys. But I just I think it's too much of a risk with him coming back from injury as well. I feel like he's a he's a wait and see. Um, is, and also, but then again, he does with, with James. Another good benefit of James is if Chilwell became the option and James was playing centre back, James to Chilwell becomes pretty easy. Mm. I don't see many downsides with the big back five there's just so much you can move to there's going to be so many potential bandwagons as well um or bandwagons that's that's the wrong word but there's there's so many options that could really really emerge like Chilwell. i'm I'm more than happy not having him game week one mm. i'd love it if he became a thing i think because the these these fullbacks and wingbacks have got such potential in terms of in a week, if they keep if they get an assist even and then just max bonus and a clean sheet, they end up hitting a hole, right? And if you throw mm-hmm. in a goal, which nearly all of them are possible, they can hit massive holes. Now, we know that over the course of the season, the spread of points 
um, you know, is not really a factor when you're looking at, say, four weeks and maybe one of those players spikes a couple of those holes in those two or three weeks, like a James has done previously or a Perisic could do or any of that stuff. There's going to be volatility there, I think, all across the, the game where everyone's going to be selling their defender. Like you're sat with Diaz and they concede versus West Ham and Perisic scores two versus Southampton. Again, that's an obvious move that the casuals will make. I'm not saying we've already said, like, I'm going to do that move or we do that, mm-hmm. but it, it is stuff like that would happen. Now, would people just stick to Diaz because they think he's he's a better long-term pick? He, he may, may very well be, especially across the season when they've got Europe and other things and his injury record in general. I think Diaz would probably would end up being it. But do I need to worry about that when I'm only looking at sort of five, five, six, seven, eight weeks? That's the way I keep coming back to it. Mm, maybe I'll just get Diaz at that point when I want to be a bit boring. But I'll probably talk myself into, do you know what? It's only seven or eight weeks until the wild card. I can go crazy again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and to, to be honest, with your with your five attackers... You could just use transfers on defenders. Um, yeah. They're, they're honestly, like, I can see I a reason for every player you've got. Haaland. Sorry, say that again? I don't see myself removing Haaland or Jesus. No, that's that's the thing. And that's that's why, that's what got me thinking about the third striker. If if one emerges, mm. it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, if people switch formations or if I'll be crawling back to go for the three in midfield. Well, that's the difference, really. Where you're going to use your transfers in your team at the moment is probably going to be on that Mitrovic spot or some or one of the defenders. I can't yeah. really see where else you would do that. You could argue maybe you could bring Sun in for Salah, but does anyone really going to do that very often? I wouldn't have thought. I, would, I honestly think a lot might be used on in, on the defenders. And I know that sounds crazy because a lot of them are, are set and forget, but there's obviously a couple of little risks there. Um, a couple of little unknowns. There's a couple of players that, you know, we've got eyes on like Chilwell. I mean, maybe Doherty as well. He might become a no-brainer. I hope so. I certainly hope yeah. so. <laughs> so I could see a lot of transfers being used on defenders. I know one of the old rules was like, don't um, don't use transfers on defenders. You know, use it to, on the players that make an impact. But really, sometimes that is defenders now. I think it is. I think yeah. they do make an impact. Absolutely. Um, right. We've probably rambled on enough. Do you know what? Should we try and answer some questions? We probably... Sounds good. We've probably answered quite a few of them just by chatting. Um, I would have thought that I'm just going to try and bring them up on my phone rather than the screen because, again, I'm shocking when it comes to IT. I apologise, everyone. Um, Okay, so even though we're trying to be more analytical and we've just waffled a lot, which probably wasn't, uh, FPL Glasto's brought us back to our roots and he said, top maverick pick for each position, give me some template breakers. Uh, He hasn't put any parameters on this as in how long, anything. So just someone you think might break the template at the moment in each position. Oh, wow. Mm. Do we have to do goalkeepers? Should we just keep it at outfields? No, let's, let's, let's skip that one. Yeah. Oh wow. So if we start with strikers? Yeah, I'll go with Bamford. Oh, I like that one. Well, I'll have to go with Mitrovic then, because I think Bamford would have been my second one there. Strikers mm. on penalties. Is Bamford's got? I looked at the review. He's he's high. The fixtures are good. We know he was very good last season. His data was good. It's more about his injury and the worry, I think, and probably just a new manager. Um, you know, we're not 100% sure how Marsh is going to set them up, how they're going to how they're going to achieve, because I don't think you can take too much from the, the limited data we've got in a in basically a you know how many games he had for them, maybe 15 games, maybe that's even generous. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, those will be the concerns. But outside that, I do think Bamford is, has got the potential to be a template buster. Yeah, no, he easily could. He easily could. I'd, I'd be, I'd be honestly. I looked at doing a bench boost game week one, and he'd have been in my team. I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that now. But for for game week one especially, I could see that. And I think people will be quite fond of him as well. 
which always yes. helps start. You know. It does, yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He? he likes FPL as well. Yeah. Um, midfielder. See, for midfielder, it's got to be one of the City guys, hasn't it? So yeah, they're not, gonna... they're not templates, so you can get away with it, I think. I don't think they are, anyway. Yeah, or, or maybe Mount. I know the models love Mount. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go for Mount. There was, oh. Actually, there's another Chelsea I could have gone yeah, for. Yeah, Sterling's but... the obvious one, isn't he? That's the one <laughs> yeah. I was going to say. You he's definitely <laughs> the obvious one, because he's just he's at an annoying price where I don't think many people are going to go there, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, his numbers are, are decent on review. It's more a, more a value thing with him. And, and just seeing how they're going to set up and how it's going to work. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sterling could could end up breaking up the template at some point. We're both big fans of him in general, though, aren't we? So. Yeah, we are. I'm a bit glad I didn't go for him now. I, th- I thought as soon as I said Mount, I was like, oh, Sterling. But yeah, <laughs> like you say, he's, he's he's awkward to get to. But I kind of like those players that are awkward to get to. Again, it's not analytical, um, but... He's fair enough. He's high enough. When I was looking on review, top midfielders, he's yeah. up there. You know, there's not too much in it. We're talking small, small amounts of... Um, of EV here between them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know some people are very, they, they want to get every little bit of EV out out there. And Absolutely, because it's an average at the end of the day. But so. those players who are seen as overpriced, but are actually good, like Sterling, you know, when he was at Man City and maybe maybe now as well, they, they don't build up a bandwagon quickly. It's like Vardy. Vardy often has this. And if you can get a player like that, you're going to keep them at a low ownership for a longer period of time. Mm. It's usually the cheaper ones. Like if Bailey scores game week one, I know we're going back to this whole mm-hmm. thing again of people rushing, but because he's five million, I don't see how he wouldn't go up in price. He'll, no, he'll, go, no. he'll go very quickly, I would have thought. Because players like that are easy to get. If someone's gone for something like, I don't know, Kante or something, they see Bailey scores twice, they jump on him. <laughs> like, there doesn't seem to be as much of that this year, looking at some of the ownerships. Uh, everyone's too good now, aren't they, unfortunately? Yeah. Yeah, um, and if all these teams are too good, these tiny little margins. I, I, we'll go for defenders. I'll just, I've already said it. I've said Chilwell. I think he's the one that could break the template because I think it's kind of cheating. Is I think he probably was kind of in it before this whole, you know, X minutes worry was about. But I think at some point, you know, as long as this isn't a, a long term thing with him and he and he actually can come back and play consecutive ninety minutes, then he's a player that can easily break the template for me. Yeah, I think he'd he'd be right up there. I could I could really see that. Um, I can't go for another Chelsea player. I was thinking Alonso, and that's a bit of a stretch. You need to, you need another Chilwell injury, um, <laughs> and I know you love him. Um, Trippier potentially. I mean, he's, okay. he's five million. I could. I mean, or is he quite? He's quite template, isn't he? I think he is amongst the masses. I'm not sure he is on Twitter, but I have seen him in a few teams. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go down the same vein as Chilwell, and I'm going to go Doherty. Kind of a player. There's some doubts over minutes, but if he's nailed, he's he's a brilliant asset. Nice one. Hope that helps you, Glasto. Um, what else have we got here that I can use? Okay. If you had to punt on one midfield, this is from FPL Zebra, by the way. If you could punt on one midfield or one forward, eight million or less, okay, not Jesus or Diaz that we've added, for the first two weeks only, who would it be and why? So you have to do some digging into two week fixtures there, Sam. Sam again. Sam Christ. again. Rich. <laughs> I'm just reading. Sorry, man. No, that's all right. That's all right. Um, gosh, you know, it's a tough one because I, I, I was thinking Madison, but I don't yeah. know what the latest is with his transfer. Uh, there were some rumours about him potentially going to Newcastle. But Lovely game week one game, though, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's Brentford at home, first of all. And then then it's Arsenal away. But Shall I tell you what review says? is probably the highest scoring player that fits oh. that bill, for eight million or less. Um, oh, OK. 
Bruno Fernandes is there, but he's not eight million or less. Surprisingly, that would have been surprising. <laughs> he's fifth. Um, it's got Mares there. I don't agree with that. I don't even think he'll play. Oh, wow. um, it's got Mount as the next one, which you've already mentioned. Okay. Yeah, so, I did see when the free model came out, they were very high, very high on Mount, and then it mm. sort of seems to have dropped away recently. But and that's surprising because they got Spurs in the second game. But I guess that's mm. I guess that's at home. Yeah, he's still right up there. He's right up there. Um, other ones, Martinelli's still right up there. Sancho's up there if he plays for two weeks. Uh, Madison, your mate's there as well. And Review absolutely loves Odegaard, who's there. So there's a few options for you there. But I wouldn't, I mean, unless he's planning a wild card in game week three, I think that's a risky strategy to just pick someone for two weeks. Yeah, I think that's a weird time. Unless it's looking to move to someone. Maybe if someone's got a good fixture from from game week three. Possibly, possibly. Um, we've already kind of discussed John's, he, John NUFC. He was the one who I mentioned briefly about starting with Foden. So do, do you think that's viable? Do you think you could start with Foden, chance that he plays versus West Ham, and then hope that he's just, because he's good enough, he comes against Bournemouth? Do you think that's viable to do that to yourself? Or do you think, given there's so many other 8 million midfielders, that you wouldn't be prepared to take the risk? See, I don't like it. And I tend to double up on Man City attack a lot. And that I think that experience has made me not want to. I think there's <laughs> too many unknowns. I don't think the first game's good enough to justify it. Right. Because you're sort of throwing away that first game on the hope that he then plays against Bournemouth. Okay, let's say he does. He's de- let's say he's definitely, for argument's sake, playing against Bournemouth. I think his argument is he thinks that strongly, so therefore he's saving the transfer, if you see what I mean. He doesn't want to book in the transfer of putting another eight million and then having to bring in Foden in game week two. In- oh, instead of the planned transfer. Yeah. yeah so it's I basically mean, instead yeah. of doing it. I mean if you're dead set on wanting Foden in game week two, then then I'll do it. I guess I was thinking too much from my own point of view where I'm not quite sure what I'd be doing game week two yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're sitting there, I don't see, I don't see the harm. I just, I just wouldn't do it myself. I think there's too many unknowns there. I don't know if you agree, but it's just, I think that first fixture is not good enough. You then haven't got the flexibility to decide. I kind of like what you're doing where at least if you've got Saka, you can make a decision if Foden's the right one in game week two. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I want to agree with him because I love Foden that much, but I think the mm. sense will play. The game's not good enough. I think he probably will start this game, by the way, versus West Ham. But um, I'd also would say it's very unlikely he makes 90 minutes, given they've got that's where they're going to make their subs, and he's probably not fully fit yet. Otherwise, mm. I think he would have played the first game. To put it in perspective, with review, he's below like Odegaard, for example, for game week mm. one, and he's only just ahead of him for game week two, so for one and a half million less. Yeah. It's, the minutes are low on review. I think he's at 61, I think, for the last time yeah, I looked. Yeah, he is like, low. 62 yeah. now. But yeah. So, again, if you think he's going to get more, maybe. But I think there's just too many other good options to, to, to do that. I think you either book in the transfer if you really want it, or you just have to wait and see a little bit, unfortunately, which I don't want to say because I love Foden so much. Um, yeah, we've got another question here from 679. He just says, flexibility is overrated thoughts. I think we've kind of covered that a little yeah. bit, haven't we? Where I, I think he's probably right. It depends what you're talking about, but I do think it is overrated in the sense that people seem to forget the price changes happen and very quickly the, the flexibility will go from your team um, in that scenario. Yeah, I think what nails it for me is it's hard enough predicting game week one, let alone pre- you're almost trying to predict more with flexibility. You're trying to predict what happened game week two, game week three, game week four, making up all these crazy scenarios like me um, with, you know, moving Mitrovic to someone from Man City. It is a highbrow discussion though. How much flexibility do you suffer? Uh, sorry, how much expected value or EV do you, do you um, sacrifice to, to gain um, respect? Uh, what we're looking for. <laughs> I can't even talk. I'm so tired. Uh, to gain flexibility. 
So, yeah, it, it, it's really tough, isn't it? I've seen the analytics crew arguing this one between themselves. I don't think there is any 100% given number there as to what you could put on that. No, I mean, I kind of, no, and I couldn't answer it for them. I'm sure they'd have a strong opinion on it. But just the way I look at like my team, for example, is if I just ignore positions, my worst players are my goalkeeper and Mitrovic. And I, I feel like to have Mitrovic as my worst outfield player, you know, regardless of structure, I feel quite good about that. Because I remember in years past, I'd have like a really weak link in the team. And I look at your team and you don't have a weak link. Like probably the player, who are you least excited about starting? Like Neto, which he's still playing Leeds. Yeah, no, it's, it's probably just more the worry on Doherty for me more than yeah. anything else. Yeah, whereas you probably don't really have that. You're just, your worry is Mitrovic, is Mitrovic going to be value enough in, in those tough fixtures? That's probably your worry. You're right. When you put it like that, when you look at your team, I don't think there's only any risks there. Martinelli no. comes off with 20 minutes to go. Who cares? He's probably going to, he's probably going to do fine anyway. That's about the only other thing, isn't it? And I think about previous seasons, I've had like really bad players in my starting 11 because the pricing's difficult. Like I'll be, you know, I don't know, I'll have like Soinchu or something. And he's not an exciting player to to watch. I didn't have high expectations. I mean, he did quite well actually, but he was. He was a, what happened there? He was like the best centre back in the world for like a short period, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, very very short period of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just shows you about small samples like these players. Vestergaard's uh, another one along that lines. I think I think Vestergaard looked like a world beater under at Southampton for a very short period. <laughs> I was like eighth choice Leicester centre back. Yeah, it's crazy. They have short short like spans in the limelight your your mate um bale scored a brace on the last day of the season and it was all because of soyuncu i'll send you the video it's honestly <laughs> some of the worst defending i've ever seen <laughs> yeah let's not forget that's going on in pre-season all over the place as well when people look at these players i mean there's players like running the whole length of the pitch and you see kilman's goal for example no. unbelie- unbelievable yeah go watch kilman's goal on YouTube. he's run the whole length of the pitch like messy style banged it in the goal and it's just like oh, what on earth i need to see the quality of defending <laughs> anyway anyway we're rambling i think we've we've gone on long enough i was going to call you sam again but i won't rich that's your hat trick um should we end it there what do you think yeah no but that's that's been that's been useful um it's nice to talk it out you got me a little bit worried about mitrovic so sorry no no it's it's good it's good because i was i was very settled now i'm still i'm still very settled to be fair just slightly less um yeah there's there's, there's still stuff to talk still stuff to like think about um i'm glad we didn't talk about goalkeepers too much and i'm glad we both gone for quite similar teams like cheap goalkeeper five at the back yeah uh, it's just the way it's ended up falling I think with Ward mm. the news of Ward has kind of changed that if the Ward thing wasn't there I'd be on Edison I think and I'd find I'd find the team to work but with Ward there's always a chance that he ends up being the keeper and then it's just like well the rotation I don't know why you haven't got Sanchez for that rotation by the way on that note it's been something I've been thinking about um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a good it is a good rotation um, I think it's just again I've been on Meslier since the start Okay, um, so you're in love still, and you want to keep him. Yeah, I've maybe like dreamed about certain. You know, he saves a penalty from Neto. Maybe I don't know if Neto Neto would take penalties without Jimenez. I don't think he will. But you know, <laughs> I've thought about all these scenarios in my head. But yeah, I think he might be right there. I think the rotation on Sanchez. That's another thing I need to think about. It's just not a very exciting decision. It's not, is it? Uh, no. no, no, it's probably not going to break your season. I wouldn't worry not. too much about it. <laughs> Okay, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Um, anyone who's uh, who's who's watched this uh, on YouTube, if you could give us the usual likes and subscribes, I hate begging for it, but um, if you could do it, really help us grow. Also, give us any rating you can on uh, whatever app you're using to listen to us on the podcast. That would be fantastic. 
Uh, we have created a uh, mini league for inspected goals. Uh, we have posted on our Twitter feed uh, the code, which uh, it is VKITHK. But I'll put that in the comments there for people to copy if they've not seen that. If you could join that, that would be great. Um, yeah, it's a buy from me. And thanks, Az. And buy from me. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. That's very good. See you later, everyone.